the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father, we pray today that you're glorified as you sit upon your throne in the kingdom of heaven, Lord. Holy is your name. Lord, we pray that this church will be part of helping your kingdom to come to this earth. Lord, use us in a mighty way here at Freedom Church, and not just this church, but every church that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation in his blood, in his name, and for your glory, Father. Father, today we accept and we, we repent of our sin. That's our message today, Lord. It's out of Matthew chapter 3, Lord. Today we repent of our sins. We turn, we go to an, into another direction, Lord. We ask you to forgive us and cleanse us. And Father, help us to forgive those that, that have, have sinned against us, those that we're, we're um, sad about and how they hurt us, Lord. But we forgive them because we hurt you and you forgave us, Lord. And we praise you and thank you and give you the glory, Lord. Father, help us not to be tempted by the enemy. Lord God, let the Holy Spirit speak loud and clear to our hearts, Lord, that we do not obey the enemy, that we obey your very word that has been implanted into our hearts and into our minds and into our soul by your Holy Spirit. Father, today we, we acknowledge that the devil has been defeated and you have delivered us from sin. Lord God, you have delivered us from many, many things. And we're so thankful for that. And today, Father, we want to live for your glory on this earth, Lord. For we want you to be glorified. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is your kingdom's forever, Lord. And we're part of your kingdom. Just as you defeated the enemy, Lord, at Calvary, Lord, you have defeated him in our lives. All we got to do is put our faith and trust and belief in you. And Lord, today receive glory from this service and father even bring people into your kingdom today whether it be in this church service whether it be over the internet for those listening and or whether it be someone that listens down the line through through our website or or even by a cd or whatever might get out there or the youtube or, or whatever lord there's so many possibilities to you be the glory lord in jesus name amen and amen God bless you, church. You may be seated. Thank you, Matt. It's beautiful. Beautiful. For those of you just tuned in on uh, YouTube or Christian World Media, podcast, whatever it is, you're listening to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're in, in South Florida. You can go to our website, freedomchurchpb, for palmbeach.org. You can check us out, what we believe in, who we are, um, and uh, you can listen to any messages from about six, seven years back, and you can even donate online. So thank you, thank you. As the Lord speaks to you, um, we pray that you will not just hear it and not just see it, but, but you will perceive it in your heart and apply it in your life. Instruction minus application equals your same frustration you've always been in. So you have to, instruction plus the application, you're going to receive a blessing from the Lord's Word. Anyway, 
Um, for those of you online, again, you can tune in next Sunday at 11 a.m. We also have a Thursday service, 715, freedomchurchpb.org. You can tune in. We're in Genesis chapter 25 this coming Thursday, so tune in. It's a good study in Genesis. Every time I've, I've taught it in Genesis, the people just, just gravitate towards it because it's the beginning. It's, it's a book of beginnings. That's what Genesis means, you know. So, um, tune in Thursday, and on Sundays we're studying through the book of Matthew. So come on back next Sunday at 10 a.m. I named this message today, and, you know, we have a church full of believers here, but some of us have to, let's see, get in, review or renew our commitment to the Lord. And I think that's what this chapter is going to say to many believers out there. Because, in a way, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians have, have backed off a little bit because of the, the current indignation that went through the world in the last year. A lot of people have backed off. And it's, it's time to rally up. The, the enemy uh, rallied an attack against us, and it's time to go forth and, and rally after him. And, and not, be off, not be defensive, but offensive. Because Jesus has given you offensive weapons. The war's already won. We just got to win the little battles here and there. And if you lose a little battle here and there, no big deal. You can go back at it and fight the enemy again, and, and you can win. But today's message, we're talking about John the Baptist here today. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through, through 10. Uh, I named this message, Faith is Through Repentance. Faith is through repentance. Let me drive that home to every Christian. Faith is through repentance. A lot of people say they have faith, but they've never repented. It's important that you repent. Repent means turn around, about face, go in an opposite direction. Because our flesh gravitates towards sin. Let's read, I want to read the first 10 chapters before we get started, and we're going to really break down, hopefully break this down today for all of you, and I'm hoping not only you, uh, but myself and all those listening online will, will renew their commitment to the Lord and turn away from those things that the Lord has been, what could I say, convicting you about over the years. That final sin that has, a, has a, a, such a deep grip on your life that you need to get rid of it because it's holding you back from all that the Lord has for you. So today, let's read verses chapter 3 of Matthew, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching into the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel hair and a leather belt about his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. From then Jerusalem was going out to see him, and all of Judea and all of the district around the Jordan and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But 
when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. And the axe is already laid at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's the message of John the Baptist. After 400 years of silence, God finally breaks through. The time period is about 430 B.C. Malachi 4, chapter 5 says, Behold, this is God, the last book of the, of the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi, he's prophesying, and here's what he's saying. Behold, talking for God, I am going to send Elijah the prophet before the coming and great terrible day of the Lord. I want to re refresh your memory here. The, the day of the Lord is, is not one day. The day of the Lord is a period of time. The great day of the Lord is Messiah's coming. The terrible day of the Lord is His coming again with power and great authority, with a sword coming out of His mouth. The great day of the Lord is Messiah's coming to redeem you, not from the Roman tyranny that was going on or the, or the Greek tyranny that was going on hundreds of years before that, but from the tyranny of your sin that sends you to the pit of hell. The day of the Lord then is not one day, but there is going to be that day when Jesus is going to touch down on the, on the hill of Jerusalem, and that is the day. That is the final day of the great and the terrible day of the Lord. Malachi said also in chapter 3, if you just turn back a few pages to the left, verse 1, I am going to send my messenger. Remember, God's been silent for over 400 years, but Malachi's warning them, I am going to send my messenger, and he's going to clear the way for me, for, uh, for the Lord whom you seek, he will suddenly come into his temple suddenly come into his temple. That tells you, number one, this is an earthly picture. He's going to actually arrive at, at the temple, but there's going to be a messenger that goes before him. You know, Malachi was written, it's probably one of the oldest prophetic books in the Bible. It goes back about 850 B.C. You know, even Isaiah, who wrote in chapter 40, Verse 3, he, he's writing about 750 or 700 B.C. But he's saying the same thing. These both were prophets to Jerusalem, to Judea. Here's what it says in Malachi chapter 40. A voice will be calling in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord, clear the way for the Lord. Make smooth the desert highway for God, and every battle, battle be, every valley be lifted up, 
and every mountain be leveled. So the valley's going to come up and the mountain's going to be leveled and let the rough, rough ground become plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. He's saying, every mountain in your life, every valley in your life, level it out because the Lord is coming. He's going to level anything that's any mountain against you, any valley you find yourself in. He's going to level it so that you can see who he is. And he's suddenly going to come into his temple. Suddenly. Matthew chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3, it says that in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, that's John's first message. Remember, salvation is through repentance. That's the title of our message. Faith is through repentance. You say you have faith in Jesus, but did you repent? Repent means turn away. Go in the opposite direction, as I said before. If you're in the military, it would be about face, soldier. Turn around. If you're heading south, turn around and head north. Because all mankind is heading south unless they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and do an about face and go north. A lot of Christians never even run into the devil in their life. You know what? If you, don't, if you haven't run into the devil in your Christian walk, you might be walking in the same direction the devil is. Because if you're walking in God's direction, you are certainly, without a doubt, going to run into the devil. Because he's going to oppose you every step of the way. But don't get scared or fear. You know, you have authority over him. He has absolutely no authority over you. Jesus stripped him at the cross. As I say, at Calvary, he crushed Satan's skull just like God prophesied in Genesis chapter 3.15. Not only that, when he, when he crushed Satan's skull, he shattered his teeth, and his claws were ripped out. He has nothing to hold on to unless you give it to him, and that is called sin. Once you give him sin, boy, he's, gonna, he's going to uh, use everything he can to hold on to that sin in your life. Because he knows that if you get victory over that sin, you're a more deadly threat to him than, than you are right now. Repent. He's saying, get ready. The time is now. He's saying, why should you repent? Because the kingdom of heaven is coming. You know what? The kingdom of heaven came to earth when Jesus was born. Where the king is, is the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus was born, the kingdom of heaven was on earth for a time. It comes because the king is here. The king is here. Repentance places you in God's kingdom. Faith is through repentance. A lot of people say they have faith, but they, it, it hasn't entered into their heart or their soul that they have to repent. They have to turn from their sins. 
and they got to level those valleys and and uh, or and level the mountains and fill the valleys up, so that you could walk on an even plane in your life instead of going like be thrown up and down by the the wiles of the enemy. There's no other way to faith in Jesus Christ except through repentance. Something the church frowns on today. Well, you're going to get that message here because I'm preaching the Word of God and I'm not going to bend off of it. There's no other way to faith except through repentance. That's just the way it is. Have you repented? Did you raise your hand in a church service but, and, and you've received Jesus but never repented of your sin? And when you walked out the door, you were the same slutty person as when you walked in. You just felt a little cleaner for a while while you were under the covering of a building. Faith is impossible except through repentance. Your personal foundation as a, in Christian faith comes through Jesus Christ. Anyone else is a liar. You must believe as Peter believed. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He said, you are the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel. You are the Christ. That's what he said. Christ is Greek for Messiah in Hebrew. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Guess what? It was the Spirit of God that revealed that to you. You must believe as Peter did. He was confronted by Jesus. Who do you say that I am? If, you're, if you have true repentance and true faith, you will be confronted with your sin. There will be a time when you'll be convicted by the Holy Spirit in John 16. The Spirit comes that you might be convicted of concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. You're, conf you're confronted with your sin, and you realize you're a sinner, and you need a Savior. A lot of the world don't think they're sinners. They think they're pretty good persons. You know, they compare themselves to the drunken neighbor down the street. They consider, you know, the, the, the guy they work with, they're using the F word every single, every single day 20 times in, in a paragraph. And they think, hey, I look pretty good compared to my neighbor, probably some of us. Some of them are alcoholics, crack addicts, who knows what they are. You look pretty good, but you're comparing yourself against the wrong entity. You need to compare yourself against God. And when we compare ourselves against God, we'd be snuffed out with our sin and wretchedness that's in us. So we get confronted by our sin. If you've never been confronted that you're a sinner, well, I'm telling you right now, you're a sinner. And you need to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There's got to be a revelation in your life as you're as you're sitting in a church and you raised your hand to make a commitment to the Lord, but you did it with your head, there has to be a revelation where you finally, the Holy Spirit finally got broke through 
that sin and confronted you and you said you realized that there's that Jesus Christ is the Lord that time when you you just know that he is the Lord you were you were you were received a revelation from the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ is the Lord I know that happened in my life I'm sure it happened in most of your lives I was confronted with the Lord. And I had a revelation that Jesus Christ was the Lord. No longer did I just picture him as a dead man on a cross. I pictured him as a live Savior on an empty, that, that died on an empty cross and rose again the third day. And I realized that this is true. That this isn't some fairy tale that's written in the Bible. As a revelation came to me, Jesus, you are the Lord. What are you going to do about it now? You were confronted. You realized you had a revelation that Jesus is, is Lord. Well, then you have to make an acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is the Lord. You have to acknowledge him before four men. You have to confess him before men with all of your heart. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You have to acknowledge him. Oh yeah, Lord, I'm confronted with my sin. I agree I'm a sinner. I have the revelation. You gave me a revelation. Jesus Christ really is the Lord God. He is the Lord. Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to tell everybody about him. I got to tell my mother, my father, my aunts, my brothers, my my enemy, my children, my grandchildren because I know that he's real. He's not some figment of my imagination. As I say all the time, people say in the Bible, let's read the story about Jonah and and the whale. Let's read the story about David and Goliath. It's not a story, it's a truth. They're all true. It's not a story, a Bible story. It's a true Bible truth. These things did happen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did survive the fire. Daniel did survive the lion's den. Noah did build an ark. And eight people were saved. You were confronted. You received revelation from the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ is Lord. You acknowledged him before men. That you received him. You acknowledge him. I'm, I'm now a believer. I really believe Jesus Christ is Lord. I've repented of my sin. Then you make a public confession, number four. Confrontation, revelation, acknowledgement, and confession. You confess. You are proud to be called what the world would call a Jesus freak. Somebody calls you a Jesus freak, ask them whose freak they are. You'll be proud to be called Holy Roller. You could say, how do you spell that? R-U-L-E-R? No, but you're thinking R-O-L-L-E-R. No, I'm thinking Holy Roller because I reign with Christ. That's what the Bible says, Revelation. So if you confess your sins, and John wrote it 
perfectly. If you confess your sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive you your sins because faith is through repentance. That's the only way. Not only is Jesus your Savior if you've received him as your Savior, he's also going to be your judge. He's your Savior and your judge. Fortunately, those that believe Jesus is their Savior and have repented through, through faith in Jesus Christ, he, he is their Savior. And you will go before what is known as the judgment seat of Christ, where you will be judged for, your, for what you did or didn't do. It's not that you're judged by all your good righteousness, that you'll be saved. No, it's through Jesus' righteousness that you're saved. I actually got a text from somebody in another part of the country this week that I know, and uh, they asked me that question. And I told them, none of, they said, I don't know if I'm good enough. I said, you aren't. You aren't good enough. It's only by Jesus' righteousness that you are made right or perfect before God or sinless before God. And they responded, I thought so. <laughs> it's a good thing. Good thing. It's important. You are a sinner. You're always going to be a sinner. But you're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and him alone. And he's going to, as, as, as you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God will weigh Okay, I gave that $100 to the church, and I had to tell my, all my friends about it, you know. God says, you already got your reward, because your friends just realized how precious and how holy you were. But if you gave that $100 and didn't say anything to anybody, you're going to be rewarded, because your, your reward isn't coming from men anymore, it's coming from Almighty God. And because you were at the judgment seat of Christ, the fire which, which will test your good works, all the bad works will be burned up like chaff, and uh, all the good works will be, you will be rewarded for. Well, that's the luxury of one who has put their faith in Christ and is saved through repentance. But those that have never accepted Christ or reject him, they have been confronted, which they, they most certainly have, and especially in America, for the most part. Most of us have been confronted. Some of us have received revelation but said no, not like Peter who said, yes, I believe. And, and not like, and they, they received acknowledgments, and, but they never confessed. But there's no other way to faith in Christ except through repentance. You're saying, I'm guilty. I agree with you, God. I'm a sinner. Jesus, take my sins, wash it away, throw it as far as the east is from the west. See, Jesus had no sin. There was no sin in him. But at the cross, sin came on him. So there's a difference. There was no sin in Jesus, but sin came on him. Well, that was our sin that came upon Jesus. 
and to the point where Jesus received the worst suffering he could ever receive by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was beaten, he was whipped, he was nailed to a cross, he was crowned with thorns. But I'll tell you what, his biggest hurt was when his father said, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of eternity, Jesus Christ was with his father. And all of a sudden, daddy's gone. You know what? When daddy's gone, you're in hell. Because that's what hell is. It's the, the absence of God. And of course, there's flaming fire. But the most part, it's the absence of God. Picture this world without God. Picture this world without the, the sayings of Jesus Christ. It would be a hell on earth. And it will be a hell on earth when the Holy Spirit snatches the church. Literal hell will come upon earth. There will be no representation of the kingdom of heaven on earth because all of us ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ will be called out of this world back home to our homeland. See, an ambassador. Right now, we're ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ in a foreign land. Because when you were saved and you were born again, you repented of your sins, and you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you were called an alien and stranger now in this world. You're no longer from this world. You were born again into a kingdom of God. And you're no longer a part of this world. You're, you're in the world, but you're not of the world now. You are an ambassador. Like I always say, if you've been in this church, you've heard me say it before. Paul calls us ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. What is an ambassador? If we have a foreign ambassador to, to Israel, the United States sends one of his, their population over to Israel to represent America in Israel. And that's what we are. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ to re represent the kingdom of heaven on this earth. But some of the church is still, they think they've repented and they haven't. You have to repent. Turn away. Go in another direction. I've had people come up from the, the crowd here up to the altar and say, I don't know that I'm saved because I don't have any fruit. What did John the Baptist say? He said, Shh, you brood of vipers, who warned you to turn from, from the wrath to come? That's what he said. He was tough on them. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And you need to repent. That's all there is to it. Repentance is not an emotional response. Repentance shows the fruits of righteousness, and that's what John said. You need to show fruits of righteousness. Let me read it again here. Let 
Where'd it go? Okay, I'll find it. Chapter 3. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is in land. But you, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. So if you've really repented, you will show fruit in your life. You will leave Sunday service, and tomorrow morning, you won't be cussing along with the rest of the people at work. You'll change your language. You'll start standing up for Jesus and quit being ashamed. Paul tells us very clearly in Romans, you know, that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. If you're ashamed of Christ, you're not going to lead many people to Christ because you don't have any power. Your words go like this. You have to use the Word of God, too. Repentance is not an emotional response. It is a conscious decision. It's a conscious decision. Remember Jesus told the one man, he says, who builds a house without counting the cost to make sure he has enough to finish what he started? It's a conscious decision You're going to follow Jesus no matter what. If your family rejects you, if you're called Jesus freak. You know, I was called this week, I'm addicted to Jesus. You know what I told them? I says, no, I have a calling by Almighty God on my life. I have a calling. And every one of you that have accepted Christ and have turned from their sins, repented, and came to faith in Christ, you have a calling on your life. My calling isn't like Billy Graham. You know, your calling isn't like mine. You have a calling on your life. You have people in your life that I'll never run into. Most people aren't one at Billy Graham crusades. They're really one one one-on-one with one another. Me speaking to you, me speaking to her, you know, you speaking to your mother. That's how they're really one. Yes, a lot of respondents thank God for evangelists because many do come to faith in Christ and evangelism. But if I asked you right here, right now, how many of you got saved in an evangelistic crusade? Raise your hand. And nobody. Did you get saved over a conversation one-on-one with a believer? How many did that? No hands? Come on, raise your hand. I know I did. It's a conscious decision. Repentance actually precedes, it actually precedes entrance into the kingdom. Let's look at how important repentance is in the Bible. Repentance is written in the Bible 69 times. Repent or repentance. And that's not talking about turning away from and all that. We're talking about repentance or repent. 69 times. 22 in the Old Testament and 47 times in the New Testament. Do you see how God has 
trying to tell us it's time to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John the Baptist comes on preaching. But Malachi told us that God's going to send a messenger before the king, before the king comes. So, back in now in these days, you know, the newspaper will say, the president, president Trump is coming to Lantana, Florida. You know, you'll hear it on the radio, you'll hear it on the TV, because, you know, President Trump is coming to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. How about that? It's broadcast, but in those days there was no press. There was no, no television or radio. So what did God do? What did the king do before he visited his cities and his kingdom? He had a messenger go forth that would say, the king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming. And he rode through the cities crying out, the king is coming. So that you would know. And that's what Malachi is crying out. And Isaiah is crying out. The king is coming. It's 400 years later from when Malachi cried out. It's 300 years later since, since uh, Isaiah cried out. But he's come. He's come. So, Ezekiel, when he was preaching, here's what he said in Ezekiel 18. His message was, repent and turn away from all your transgressions so that your iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. And that's what our sin is today. It's a stumbling block to your spiritual walk. And it's a stumbling block to people around you. They see you, a Christian, using the F word or doing things that you shouldn't do, taking drugs, drinking alcohol, getting drunk, all the other things that go along with living with a person. And they say, that's a Christian? You're a stumbling block to them. It's time for the church to wake up and turn away from their sin. That's what Ezekiel was saying. Here's what Ezra said. He said, If they take thought in the land where they are taken captive and repent, remember Judah was held captive for 70 years in Babylon, okay? If they turn, if they, they, where they are held captive, if they are taken captive and repent and make supplication, to you, that's referring to the Lord, in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have acted wickedly. It's in Second Chronicles. That's what Ezra is saying. Jonah says it this way. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe on him and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor, nor drink water, but let each man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God, yea, let uh, let us turn every one from our evil way and from the violence that is in our hands. That is repentance. 
Now you know why Jonah was sent to Nineveh. Jonah didn't even want to go to Nineveh. You know, he said, oh, those sinners, I hope they can rot in hell. That's what he was saying. So he went the other direction. But God, you know, you know the story. He got thrown into the ocean because the storm was because of him. The storm got still when he was thrown into the ocean. And a great fish came and swallowed Jonah for three days and three nights. And as the Son of Man, will, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Not a story, a truth. And so the Messiah was in the heart, was, was in the belly of the, the beast or the fish three days and three nights. And then he was resurrected on that seashore, bleached white from the whale's acid, and he said, repent. Repent. And the whole city of Nineveh repented because the king repented. That's what we need in America. I had a dream last night, and I woke up fearful for America. America's in trouble, and we need to repent. And if the king will repent, a lot of the nation will repent with him. And that's what we need. Okay, so while we saw that that John the Baptist preached repentance, then comes onto the scene another man a God-man, and he started his teaching. And guess what Jesus' message was next chapter? It'll be a couple weeks before we're there. Here's what he said. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, guess what? What is it? Repent! Turn away from your sins. There is no faith except through repentance. Have you repented? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Why is the kingdom of God at hand? Because this is the king. And the king is here. And the kingdom of heaven is on earth. Then Jesus trains his disciples. He sends them out. He sends the disciples out in Mark chapter 6, verse 12. They were sent out and preached that men should repent. Then Luke writes here, he goes, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. That's Jesus. He's quoting Jesus. Jesus is saying, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. You know, us here today, I look around and I see all believers here. But maybe we need to renew our commitment. Maybe we need to get off our backslidden track because this indignation that went through the world in the last year and still throws threats upon people has driven you backwards. You're no longer supporting your churches because you don't go to church anymore. You because know, you're comfortable sitting at home in your pajamas, twiddling your thumbs, and watching beautiful preachers. They're great. I love them. I watch them myself. But you don't, you're forsaking what God told you not to forsake, the assembling of yourselves together. And he said, all the more as the time draws near, and you can look at the world, you know the time's drawing near. 
It's time to wake up. It's time to repent uh, of our backsliddenness by hiding out in our homes and get back out into the battlefield and fight for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time. The time is over for your rest and relaxation. It's time to go back to work. The devil has gained ground, and we're not supposed to take it back. We're supposed to take back the, the, the ground that the locusts have eaten. And it's time to do it. Peter, Pentecost. What was his first word? Repent. Repent to a bunch of Jews that were in Jerusalem at Passover. Not Passover, at at. Uh, Pentecost. He's telling them to repent. And 3,000 people got saved. And Jerusalem was, 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 they figured back in those days, Jerusalem might have been a half a million people. But at Pentecost and Passover and those, and, and the one other Jewish holiday, they, they w- everybody would flock to Jerusalem. Now there's probably two, three million people in Jerusalem. And they heard the gospel. They repented. They heard about Jesus. And they went back to their home country. Could have been Italy. Could have been, could have been uh, you know, Turkey. It could have been any, any of those lands. They went back preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They repented. They turned from their sins. They realized that they crucified the Lord of glory. John the Baptist is preaching repentance. Jesus is preaching repentance. Ezra is preaching repentance. Isaiah is preaching repentance. Jeremiah, repentance. Micah, repentance. Jonah, repentance. Peter, James, John, the 12 disciples, repentance. God, repentance. God is quoted by Mark writing the book of Acts. Chapter 17, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. That means China, Japan, Africa, Alaska, Florida, Boynton Beach, Lake Worth, Palm Beach County, California, New York, everybody, Brazil, Middle East, India, China, Japan. You know, watch the Olympics, and every time a new nation comes up, pray for it. Every man, everywhere repent. God is saying that. That's that's the message for us today. And some of us Christians, I touched on it, about, about backslidden. A lot of Christians have backslidden over this last year. They're not the Christians they were a year ago. They got snuffed out. Their, their light was extinguished, and it's now it's just a little spark. Here's what James says. Last chapter of the book of James, the last two verses. You know what? James tried to tell us something, not just then, but now. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and turns and one turns him back, let him know that he who t- 
turns a sinner from the error of his ways, that he will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. If you're backslidden, God is not pleased with you. The Word of God tells it at least two times that I know of. It says that God's not pleased with the backslider. It's time, church, to wake up, repent of your slowness over the last year, year and a half that's out there. And even today, it's still threatening. People are approaching me about it. I stand, you know what? Let's continue. The seven churches of Revelation. You know what Jesus told them to do? Five of them. Repent. Repent. There was a remnant in every single church. Just like in every church in this world today uh, that preaches the gospel, I am convinced there's a a remnant that are true believers. They have come to faith through repentance, and they preach Jesus skillfully and powerfully. But to the ones who weren't of that remnant, the Lord says, repent. And to two, I think it's one or two of those churches, he tells them twice to repent. One church, Philadelphia, he doesn't tell them to repent. Laodicea, he tells them to repent because Jesus is outside knocking at the door. It is the, it is the uh, church today. A lot of the churches don't even preach Jesus. You mention Jesus in the church and they go nuts. You can mention God, that's a relative term. But Jesus told Philip, Philip, Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus told him in John chapter 14, I think it's verse 8 or 12, I think it's 8. He says, he says, Philip, have I been with you so long that you don't even recognize me? Jesus is telling you, I'm the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature, and I uphold everything by the word of his power. You know, you mentioned God. I told you, next time somebody sneezes, say, God bless you in Jesus' name. See what they say. You'll get the reaction, I guarantee you. You'll get a reaction. Most of them, a true believer will recognize who you are. An unbeliever will say, you know, give you some kind of look. Because Jesus is the identification of God. You see Jesus, you see God. You don't see God in all of his glory and fullness, otherwise you'd be dead. But you see him in Christ because he is, there was a body prepared for the Messiah. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 tells you that. God prepared a body for the Messiah. And it was that little creature that little baby in Bethlehem that we learned last week when we preached from Matthew. The message to those churches were repent, for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. Matthew 3, 3, for this is the one who referred to by Isaiah the prophet as the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Here's the forerunner of the king. He's coming. The king is coming. Get ready, world. It's written in this book, the king is coming, the king has come, and it's time for you to believe and repent. Here's John the Baptist, he's wearing a garment of camel here. It's coarse, it's uncomfortable. You know what? He has a leather belt on him. If you go back to 2 Kings chapter 1, you will take a look at Elisha, and you will see he was dressed the same way. 
His, his diet, his, his clothing had an abstinence of this world. You know what God's saying in repentance? Christian, keep a light touch on this world. A light touch. You know, you're not supposed to seek for first this kingdom. You're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what Jesus told us. So verses 5 and 6, then Jerusalem was then Jerusalem was going out to him and all of Judea and all the districts around the Jordan and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Baptized, by the way, in Greek is baptismo, which means baptizo, I'm sorry, which mean, which means dunked, immersed, fully immersed. And the idea of it is burial. John comes baptizing for repentance. That tells you something. Salvation is through repentance. True faith is through repentance. Baptism in water, if you've been dunked, it's meaningless unless you repent. The idea is burial. You're placed under the water and buried the old man and the new man arises. It symbolizes where the Jordan River symbolized where Israel entered into the promised land. And it's their baptism symbolizes where you've entered into the promised land of the kingdom of heaven. It's a new lifestyle. It's a way of life. Your life should have changed when you've accepted Christ, when you've repented, when you came to faith in Christ. You should not be the same person that you were the day before. I'll tell you what. I was just thinking this yesterday or even while I was sleeping last night. Exactly 44 years ago today, at approximately the same time it is now, I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. This is my spiritual birthday. We have a cake? <laughs> the greatest day of my life. I'm serious. The greatest day of my life. I tell God that all the time, that was the greatest day of my life. See, I have a calling from God, from Almighty God, and so do you. That should have been the greatest day of your life. You've changed. You're no longer that jerk you were the day before. Oh, thank God I'm not. Your friends from high school shouldn't even recognize you anymore. It's a new lifestyle. It's not, it's not uh, repentance is not getting dunked underwater. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It symbolizes your entrance into the kingdom of heaven, the promised land, through repentance. You did your about face. You're going in the opposite direction now. And since you were walking in the devil's direction, now you're going to be bumping into him left and right. But don't get scared because that's his, his problem. He puts fear upon you. Who do you think stronger, God or the devil? Huh? So when you lose the name of God, the devil's defeated. 
He's already been defeated. You're just acknowledging and reminding him that he's been defeated, and you are an f- active, on-duty soldier that knows it, knows it, and you're going to proclaim it throughout the land. But verses three, verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers? I'll tell you what, what a powerful man this was. Listen, these people loved these guys that paraded themselves around with flowing robes and acting all holy and doing all these lustrous, beautiful prayers. I'll tell you the prayer God wants to hear. I repent. I repent, Lord. I believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. He says, who warned you, bro, to vipers, to flee from the wrath to come? The Pharisees were like the conservatives of that day. Of today, you know, you have conservatives that aren't necessarily believers. They are religious religionists. They're religious religionists. That's all they are. Don't you dare get a tattoo. God will send you to hell. I'm going to tell you, if your God would send you to hell because you have a tattoo, he can't be God. Because he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God says, can a woman forget her, un, her, her newborn child? And God says, she might, but I'll never forget you. I have you tattooed on the palms of my hand. That's a paraphrased version. It says inscribed in the King James. Inscribed is a tattoo. God's going to kick you out because you have a tattoo? I know churches that are religious religionists that if you have a tattoo, you can't, you can't come into their church. They, they don't even want to acknowledge you. Nonsense. You, you wear a skirt to church, so, so God's going to keep you out of heaven? Come on now. Who's your God? God or the devil? God wants all to be saved and none to perish, all to come to righteousness. So they're, just, they're strict. Uh, they're strict. They're called the separate ones in those days. They're separate. I'm better than you because I wear a flowing robe. Believe me, you'll never catch me in one of those flowing robes unless God tells you that, me that. Here's, here's, uh, here's what Jesus told him. He, he was just like John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist was just like Jesus. He said, you hypocrites, when you win a proselyte, you make them twice the sons of hell that you are. Oh, my goodness. Jesus was tough. You think he was a wimp because he was meek? Meek is not weakness. It's great strength under control. The Sadducees, they're the liberals of those days. They're materialists. They didn't believe in angels, spirits, and certainly no resurrection, so Jesus couldn't be resurrected. John's message is to you, is to them is neither of you are showing fruits of repentance. That's the next verse. If you're really believing in Jesus, church, for those of you over the internet, if you really believe in Jesus, you will show fruits of righteousness. You will show love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and a whole bunch of other stuff, virtues. You must change. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't change, you weren't truly repentance. 
It was not a conscious decision. It was an emotional response. God is not impressed with our religion. That's what John is telling these broad vipers. God's not impressed with your religious religious talking and your religious outward appearance. God's looking, church, for a changed heart. That's why David cried out after he sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan confronted him. He said, give me a new heart, O God. The Greek word for new heart, give, give me a new heart, O God, is bara. He's saying, give me a new heart. Bara means create it from nothing. Take my old heart away and give me a new heart. That's what David was praying. And that's why he's a man after God's own heart. That's what God's impressed with. These guys aren't timid. Jesus also went on to tell them, he called them the sons of hell. He called them vipers. Sons of the devil. What is a viper? A viper is, is a snake. That is poisonous. He's telling them, you brood of vipers, you scribes and Pharisees and, and Sadducees, you're, you're spreading poison into my people. That's why James says, he's called, well, in verse 8, you know, they're, they're, they're really called hypocrites. Jesus is calling them hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? You know what it is? It's an actor. A lot of the church today is acting. And I'll tell you what, some of you that drifted out of churches over these last year, 12 months or so, I want to know, are you an actor? Or do you really believe? Do we? Their goodness was just acting. Which, which is yours? Are you acting or are you behaving with fruits of righteousness. James says, and you well know the verse, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Not that you're saved by works. Get that through your head. You're saved by faith through repentance. If you have no works, if you have no fruit, you aren't showing repentance. This is not just for religious Jews. It's not just for me. It's for you, too. It's for the world. And do not suppose, verse 9, that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able to from, from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. In other words, we sang it today. Matt had it right there. Nothing's impossible for God. Nothing is impossible. God has done it. He's already turned the stones to cry out. We were hard-hearted Gentile unbelievers. And our stone hearts are now crying out to God, just like Jesus said they would. Our, our hearts are crying out. He has taken our, gen like I'm a Gentile, you know, he's taken my cold stone heart and raised me up as a child of Abraham, just like you, should you believe. God's promise then is fulfilled to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not only is it the bloodline, but it's the faith line. Because Abraham was justified by faith. 
He said, God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your descendants will be like the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. And you can't count them. And that's not only the bloodline, which I, uh, John the Baptist is talking, it's talking about the faith line. And we believers are all, all justified by faith. We are a child of Abraham by faith, because that's how Abraham was saved, by faith. Your heritage, whether you're Jew, Gentile, Italian, Czechoslovakian, African, American, Native Indian, Brazilian, Spanish, your, your heritage doesn't make you right before God. That's what John the Baptist is saying. Just because you can say you're children of Abraham, God can make the stones into children of Abraham. And he did. He, he did that with my heart. He did it with your heart. Faith. It's repentance through faith. Then in verse 10, the axe is already laid to the tree. The axe is already laid to the root of the tree. The root. You want to kill something permanently, you go for the root. Right? Isaiah chapter 5. I'm going to go fast because I'm running. I've ran out of time. <laughs> but you know what? This is a message I hope Millions here, but I know I'm, uh, by faith I'll say that. I would love them to hear this because it's important to the world today. And it will bring back the kingdom faster if we, we all ante up and obey God and repent and come to faith in Christ. Isaiah chapter 5 verses 1 through, tells, 1 through 7 tells you that God built a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug around it. He removed the stones. He got the choicest vine. He built a tower in the middle of the field. He expected to get good grapes, but he got bad ones. That's what he's telling Israel here. Israel, judge between me and my vineyard, says God. What more could I have done? I expected to get good grapes. I received bad ones. What could I do that, to my vine grass that I haven't already done? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll remove the hedge. I will, I will, it will be consumed. I will break down its walls of protection. I will, it will be consumed and trampled. I will lay it waste. Briar and, and thorns will come up. I will charge the clouds, not the rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. Boy, this is tough stuff. How would you like to be this prophet? Woo! No wonder he was sawn in half by Manasseh, the king of Israel. Should say Judah. Then Jesus gives us that parable of the landowner, which is just a picture of what we just said. In Matthew 21, the landowner planted a vineyard. He set up a hedge around it. He dug a wine press. He built an altar. He leased it to wine dressers, Israel. Time passed. He sent his servants to receive the fruit. The vine dressers took the servants. They beat one, killed another. Again, he sent some more servants, the prophets. This is referring to. They did likewise to the servants. They, they beat them and they killed them. Last of all, he says, the landowner says, I'll send my son. Surely they will respect my son. When the vine dressers saw the, the, the son, they said, let's kill him and take his inheritance. They took the son, cast him out of the vineyard to a hill called Calvary, and killed him. 
The axe is already laid to the fruit of the tree, church. Wake up and repent. Wake up and repent. There's no other way to faith in Jesus Christ except through repentance. The vine dressers, they, they said, let us take him and, and we'll get the inheritance. And Israel's crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And they killed the prince of glory. What will the owner of the vineyard do then? He will destroy the wicked men and lease the vineyard to another other vine dressers, the Gentiles. And that's what God did. This is all pictures painted by God as you move through the scriptures. The axe is laid to the tree. The stone which the builders rejected, he has become the chief cornerstone. The kingdom of God will be taken from those who will not believe and will not produce fruits of righteousness and it will be given to a nation that will bear its good fruits. Isaiah goes on in chapter 6 in the last, uh, in verse 13, and he talks about this tree. He says, the holy seed has become a stump. Very few Jews believe today in Messiah, but there are some right in this church here today. But some, it's a stump because very few of them get saved. If you read further in that chapter, just prior verses, you'll find out 10%. The church of, the, the, the vine of Israel has become a stump. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. And that's where we'll end it today. Listen, church. Are you bearing good fruits? If you're not, if you would like to bear more and better fruit, come on up to the altar and we will pray. Okay? I'll be waiting here. Let's close in prayer. Father, today, we thank you, Lord, for your message that is loud and clear as we read through the Gospel of Matthew, as we read through the Bible, as we take in place uh, a, a picture, a canvas before us, Lord, that you're painting a beautiful picture that we need to repent and be saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, for anybody out there over the Internet, I would like them to pray with me right now and say, Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I repent of my sin. I ask your Holy Spirit to help me produce good fruit from this moment on. I have been confronted with my sin. I have, it has been revealed to me who your son is. And I acknowledge him before the world. And I receive him as my savior, confessing my sins before you asking you to save me through repentance by your grace, your riches at Christ's expense. And to you, Father, 
be the glory. Use my life to serve you. In the name of the Messiah of Israel, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. And God bless you, church. I love you all.